Let us pray. Risen Lord, as we give thanks for the gift of this new day, may your light shine forth in the preaching of your word and set our hearts on fire with love for you. Amen. Amen. There are a few times in the church year when we Episcopalians get creative about how we tell the story of the gospel. There is the beloved pageant on Christmas Eve. There's the dramatic reading of the Passion Gospel on Palm Sunday, like we experienced just a few weeks ago. But who's to say we can't get creative to tell the story on the third Sunday of Easter? which is what we'll do today. And you can shift your bodies and your pews as you feel comfortable. We'll be here for a few moments. So as we shift our bodies, we also have to shift our minds back in time. Our story today from the Gospel of Luke is set on Easter Day. For us, that's two weeks ago in our minds and bodies in the liturgical year. But for them, it was still Easter Day. Now on that same day, two of Jesus' disciples were going to a village called Emmaus. I imagine that as they walked that road to Emmaus, their shoulders were stooped with grief and heaviness. Just three days before, they had been haunted by the image of watching their friend and leader killed. Jesus had died in front of them, and with his death, they saw the death of their own hopes for redemption, too. Think about those days in your lives when you received earth-shattering news, news that knocked the wind out of you and turned your world upside down, the death of someone you loved, or a diagnosis from the doctor that came out of nowhere. As we conjure those moments in our lives, you and I know this isn't just some abstraction. We have lived those days, and we've happened to live more than one of them side by side. Almost eight years ago, my husband Joe and I got a phone call that you never want to receive, that his identical twin, Jeff, had gone missing in his home state of Michigan. I will certainly never forget that day. We were in seminary working on a project together. And I remember how agonizing that day was as we waited. That waiting period is so hard. And we were powerless, and so you and I decided we would meet anyway at the end of the street at this coffee shop, and we'd try to do our work together. And it happened to be in that moment together that I got the phone call that Jeff had been found, and that he was dead. And in the blink of an eye, you were gone. You left Connecticut to go pick up the pieces in Michigan. And there are so many things about from that moment on that I don't remember clearly. And even things that I happened in the months after in my seminary coursework, I don't even remember, and you help me remember sometimes. But what is clear to me is what I remember about Joe's and my journey in those days, and that almost the only thing we could bear to do 
was to talk to each other and to walk. And it is exactly in that place that we meet Cleopas and his companion today, walking in a cloud of grief, recapping and rehashing the heartbreaking events of those days, just like you and I did those many years ago. And as these two grief-stricken disciples walk, out of nowhere appears a stranger, and he says to them, what are you discussing with each other as you walk along? This is such a pivotal moment of the story. It's when Jesus makes his entrance, even though the disciples didn't know it was him in that moment. And what I love about Jesus's entrance is the first thing he does as the risen Lord is he asks them to tell their story. He extends an invitation to them to share and to heal. Because we know, those of us who have walked on those roads, we know the healing power of telling the story, of standing in that rubble of despair and reviewing again and again the details, hoping that from something, some meaning or insight or maybe comfort will emerge. And so Cleopas begins telling his story to this stranger. He tells them of Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in word and deed. How the political and religious authorities had handed him over to die. But how they had hoped. Yes, this is one of the most powerful lines in the whole passage, and I hope you heard it before. They said, but we had hoped he was the one to redeem us. This line that speaks to our own hearts when we have stood in that place of disappointed hope. We had hoped the depression would have lifted. We had hoped the cancer had not spread. We had hoped the relationship would get easier. We had hoped that she would get sober. We, we had, had hoped. And after that vulnerable admission comes from their mouths, they keep going and telling Jesus the rest of the story. Now, it was three days since Jesus had died, and they had heard the testimony of the women who had been at the tomb early on that Easter morning. They had gotten there and found that the tomb was empty and there were angels visiting, but as we know, the story of the women wasn't believed fully. So the stories of their hearts, the stories of those days, have poured out from Cleopas and his companion. But how does Jesus respond? He responds to their story with another story, that of ancient scripture. And to do this, he begins all the way back at the start of the Old Testament. Yes, this is the moment when we get another incredible line of scripture that says both so much and so little at the very same time. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted the things about himself in all the scriptures. This is the moment when I wish the gospel writer Luke had just jotted a few more lines down about what Jesus said. <laughs> What in the world did he say to them? Did he tell them that, that he was in the wind that swept over the waters at the beginning of creation? 
Or did he tell them that he was in the parting of the Red Sea when the Israelites were delivered? I like to imagine that he told them that he was the one who delivered Daniel from the lion's den and rescued those three young men from the flames of the fiery furnace. Just imagine what a compelling Bible study this must have been. And you would think that after it, the disciples would have recognized the stranger for who he was, that they were speaking with Jesus. But that moment of recognition hasn't come just yet. No, in fact, Jesus almost gets away, almost keeps walking along that road to exit the scene forever as a stranger. But Cleopas and his companion urge him strongly, stay. They invite him to eat. They gather around a table with Jesus just as we do week after week. It's here that all of our journeys lead. All of the stories of our ancestors are found here. All of the stories of our lives, our joys and sorrows, our accomplishments, our grief, are woven together and held in this table. Together, we walk to this table. Opening our eyes to see Jesus, who was with us each step of the way. In the stories. In the friendship. And in the breaking of the bread. Amen. Amen.